you know, in the army, whenever you go on a mission, they give you a packing list. It always says knife, fixed blade, one each. I look at it as an everyday necessity. If I don't have a knife in my pocket, I almost feel naked. I'm prepared so I feel like a better man because I think it's important to be prepared so that you can move within your operational environment, right? We got together and said, hey man, let's let's try something on our own, man. Let's, let's try to, to be our own bosses. Firearms, firearm accessories, and knives, and cutlery. A lot of people reached out, helped us, mentored us. We just came back from the International Blade Show. We won Manufacturing Quality Award for our whole line. I've had a pocket knife in my pocket every day of my life since I was 13 years old. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior. And on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. Welcome to the Cyberman Podcast, where we aim to make men masculine again. I'm your man, Nikki Ballou, and we've got a very special guest lined up here for you today. He is a uh, former Special Forces uh, member. He has actually fought and bled for your freedoms, and he is one of the world's top knife makers. And we're going to talk today uh, to him about the things to do in the world of knives and why knives are really, really cool for men to know about, for men to use, and why knives are awesome. Welcome to the show, Curtis. Well, thank you, Nick. I appreciate you having me. You know, you said I fought and bled. I'd like to think I did a lot more fighting than bleeding, but <laughs> you're probably right on both accounts. So, <laughs> But you know what? Uh, yeah, you know, you and I were talking earlier about masculinity and, you know, things boys and men do and you know, hunting and fishing, things we enjoy. And you asked me to come on and talk about knives, and man, I'm, I'm happy to do it. So, Curtis, before we get into it, just give us a, a brief background of you, how you came to be where you are, and then let's uh, take that and jump into knife making and let's talk about, you know, why you're passionate about that and why you think uh, it's it's a cool thing for men to be into knives. Sure, sure. Like I started out, uh, grew up in a small town, We'll call it Bolingbrook, Illinois. I think it's part of Chicago now, but at the time it was a small farm community. Uh, things have changed since I've left. But I kind of <laughs> grew up as a feral kid. You know, parents kicked you out of the house on Friday and you had to be back Sunday for dinner. So we did a lot of camping, structure building, you know, playing army in the woods and that type of thing. So I had a kind of a, a, a fun uh, neighborhood was, or childhood was allowed to run free. Um, you know, I always wanted to be a Marine when I was a kid. And, uh, of course, uh, my dream came true. There was a, a recruiter just up the road. He was happy to help me out with that dream. Um, he was super helpful. I said, I want to be a Marine. I want to go into infantry. And he's like, ooh, that's a hard job to get. But let me see what we can do for you, kid. Of course, my father, both my grandfathers, all my uncles were all Navy. So uh, when I went to Marines, you would have thought I burned the house down. It was it was something. But I uh, spent four years in the Marine Corps. Um Eventually ended up going into the army of all things. Um, and meet, you know, went in the army, didn't have to go to basic training or anything like that because I'd already been a Marine. So my first day in the army was at airborne school. And man, you want to talk about culture shock when all you know is the Marine Corps and you have an army uniform on. 
Um, it was a bit of culture shock, but I eventually went to the Second Ranger Battalion, jumped into Panama with them, did an airborne assault. Um, spent some time, a little more time in the infantry, ended up in U.S. Army Special Forces as a weapons sergeant, and later on as an intel sergeant. So kind of with an emphasis on uh, sniping and counterterrorism. You know, it was, uh, I was the first Special Forces group, did a lot of work in Asia, Indonesia, Malaysia, Thailand, the Philippines, stuff like that. Uh, eventually, you know, did, got my time in, retired, went to work for uh, another intelligence-type uh, organization, uh, four years in, in Iraq and then two years in Afghanistan. Wow. But you know, I had always wanted, always wanted to start my own business. I had a really great friend who I was a sniper with in the Army, who I worked for at the sniper school, and uh, who was an 18 Delta, which is Special Forces medic. Um, guy's got a brilliant mind. I, I knew he was he'd be a great business partner. Um, we got together and said, "Hey, man, let's let's try something on our own, man. Let's, let's try to, to be our own bosses." So we did several business plans, uh, firearms, firearm accessories, and knives, and cutlery. And I had been a custom knife maker for a few years, making them for friends in the Army. Oh, and, cool. and we looked at those industries, and, man, the cutlery industry is where it's at. I mean, I had a guy from Gerber, and we were starting out, said, hey, if you want to come up here and stay out in Oregon, you can work in the factory for a week. I'll walk you around, show you all the stations, and help you out. You know, I was like, that's like Ford Motor Company telling a guy from Jake's Garage, come on down, and we'll teach you how to change oil. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of people reached out and helped us, mentored us. So we were like, you know, uh, I think we can do this. So in 2008, we started a knife company called Spartan Blades. And then uh, here we are 14 years later. Um, we've cut a deal to sell half our company to K-Bar Knives, who are part of Cutco in New York. Uh, we just came back from the International Blade Show. We won the Manufacturing Quality Award uh, for, our, for our whole line. So uh, life's good, man. Life's good. That's amazing, man. So um, why knives? Like seriously, like why? Why did you even become a custom knife maker? I mean, it's uh, it's well, a, you know, of a, an out there profession. Yeah, you know, I, I worked in the gun shop as an E five in the Army, Fort Lewis, Washington, in a place called uh, McCann Industries, and they were known for gunsmithing and making uh, kind of aftermarket gun parts and that type of thing. I was working in the shop, and uh, you know, in the Army, whenever you go on a mission, they give you a packing list. It always says knife fixed blade one each you know so anytime you go somewhere you're supposed to have a fixed blade knife with you and i yeah. thought man I, I, i'd like to make my own so i made one it was dude it was horrible man it was <laughs> i just had some industrial art students in here the other day some of their knives were better than the first one i made so um <laughs> threw it away made it made another one threw it away wasn't that great and finally got one is like you know what man it's sharp it's pointy fits my hand it's not that bad i'll, I'll use it and then, of course, a friend wanted one and then another. Then he told two friends and so on and so on. So uh, I, I knew I could do it. Um, you don't have to tell people how to use a knife. You know, no instructions are required. No instructions um, are required. That's true. That, well, we know, we know we're not going to stop making knives anytime soon. It's one of the oldest, uh, you know, uh, products known to man. So yeah, we, get, we took a swing at it. And uh with a little bit of luck and a little bit of help and God blessing us, uh, it's all kind of worked out. So why do you think a knife's an important tool for a man to have in 2023? Well, man, I, th I think, I think you said something real important. You said tool, you know, I show knives to a lot of people 
you know, they'll ask to see a knife and I'll pull out and go, you know, here you go. And they do this, especially women are like, oh, you know, but it's a tool, man. It's what we cut our steak with. It's what we fix things with. It's, it's how we cut tape. It's how we open them damn blister packages without hurting ourselves. <laughs> um, I, so I look at it as an everyday necessity. I mean, if I don't have a knife in my pocket, I almost feel naked. But I think part of the reason, you know, men in particular are interested in knives. And I know it's men in particular because I, I look at our demographics, the people we sell to all the time. I look at, at folks on Instagram where I can pull up those, those, those um, the information and analysis and it shows me who my customer base is and where they're at. And it's like 95% men. And I think the reason men are attracted to it is um, one, it may give them a sense of security, you know, because I think a lot of men feel it's their job to, to protect themselves and protect others. So I think as, as far as carrying it day to day, I think they, they feel they can accomplish that task better. But I also think, you know, at least, at least for myself, I'm a workaholic. I love to work. Um, and I like to have tools there to help me do that job. Um, and there's such a variety of knives. So I think that that thing in us that makes us want to collect is probably also a driver. Yeah. You know, I think all those things are true. And I think the the thing that every man ought to understand is that a knife is a tool and you have a thousand uses for it that will come up in your day-to-day -day life. You get a package from Amazon, better have a knife to cut it open. Because if you don't, you're probably going to hurt yourself trying to open it, right? If you uh, if you go out camping and you're cooking food, you're probably going to need to have a knife to cut your food. If you're uh, you know setting up a, a bonfire, you're going to need a knife to cut up kindling and, and do other things like that with it. It's just a handy, useful tool. And I think that one of the things that's missing for a lot of men today, right, is they don't have that masculine camaraderie. They're not out with men, and in 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 olden days men would be together masculine camaraderie was understood to be a good thing now a lot of men just don't see it don't get it the messages that are coming to them aren't telling them to do it and having a knife viscerally connects you to that masculine side it's one of those things along with being out with some men going out for a hunt you know going out fishing going out to uh see the the game with your with your friends those are the things that I think bring men together and help make our world a better place. Because when men are coming from their masculine essence, they're better fathers, they're better husbands, they're better providers, and they're better stewards of our communities and societies, in my view. Yeah, yeah that was beautifully put. You know, it's not like, it's not the brandishing part. I've got a knife. You better watch it. I count on my hand the amount of times I did that. In my life, you know, I was under duress like dire duress. Um, it's the fact that you can use it to accomplish the type of task that you're going to do together. For example, this weekend, I'm going camping with a buddy of mine. And uh, it's um, there's some uh, Scottish games going on and a, a large camping uh, facility where we're going to be camping. And, you know, we have bagpipes competitions out there and stuff. It's really kind of neat. Nice. But I know I'm going to use my knife a hundred times over the period of that weekend. We're setting up a we're setting up a tent. We're gonna have to cut. We're gonna have to cut ropes. There was a guy working on his camper last year. I had loaned him my knife. Um, a woman who's opening some hot dogs. I loaned her my knife. 
Um, a kid was had a rope tied to a tree, couldn't get it undone because of a knot. I gave him my rope wrench, which is another name for a knife. Um, so yeah, I don't think so. I don't think it's like I'm a tough guy and I got a knife. I think it's I'm prepared, so I feel like a better man because I think it's important to be prepared so that you can move within your operational environment, right? I mean, for the life of me, every time I cut something, I was opening up a, a bunch of boxes of catalogs today. They got all that plastic uh, wrap around and the bindings. And I was cutting those and I was cutting one after another. And I was like, what do people in New York do? They're not, they're not even allowed to carry a, a screwdriver in public. What, what do they do? New York City, New York City. I'm just thinking, how, do, how does a guy do those day-to-day tasks, especially if he's on the run and he's at several locations throughout a day, or he doesn't know what task he's going to be dealing with until somebody provides it to him that morning if he works for somebody. And just, um, I've had a pocket knife in my pocket every day of my life since I was 13 years old. It's it's part of me now. So someone's listening to this show and they're going, okay, I think I can wrap my head around I need to have a knife. Right. But they don't know what kind of knife they should get. What be your advice? How should they? I'd go www.spartan.com. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Listen, you know, look at the task you're going to do for the day. And it's not just men, women too. Look at the tasks that you do daily. Identify those specific tasks. And then purchase a knife that's going to help you with that. Um, that's why small Swiss Army knife is so popular. Because you can do so many tasks with it. Um, you know, the airlines almost changed the laws a few years back. The flight attendant union fought it. You know, I understand. But they were going to allow basically Swiss Army knives on planes again because they're just so useful. Nobody uses them as weapons. Um, so, yeah, I'd look at the tasks. I mean, you know, we made some knives for the Canadians, uh, well, an element in the Canadian special operations environment, a community. I think that's how I'm supposed to say it. But, um, you know, they said, hey, I want this big, long knife. You're probably familiar with our Defensa model. I have one. Um, I have one. Yeah. It's, um, but uh, I said, man, you know, that's a pretty big knife. And you're climbing a mountain. You'll kick your wife's picture out of your wall to lose some weight. You know, and they're like, yeah, man, but we're not like you guys. I'm like, what does that mean? He goes, well, we don't have passe comitatis. Sometimes you got to work in the woods in the middle of Canada. So sometimes I got to chop logs and branches and things like that. Um, so we need not only a good combat knife. But we need something just large enough that we can carry it and still chop with it if we need to. And that dramatically changed the design of what we provided them. But what they did is they identified the tasks and their mission. Then we provided a knife that matched that. You know, if you work in a kitchen all day long, obviously you need you know, chef knives or bread knife and those type of things. And you may want a small pocket knife just for opening up boxes and packages of food that come in. Um, if you're a fireman, you might need something that allows you to break glass or that you know will cut seat belts and that type of thing. So if you're talking to um, the average businessman who works in an office and he doesn't want to have anything big and beefy and scary in the office, but he wants something he can use if he needs to, what would you tell him would be a good type of knife to be thinking about for himself? I'd probably tell him to find um, something like a Swiss Army knife, possibly a small, maybe a three-inch folding pocket knife, something kind of slim, for example, because, you know, if, if you're in slacks or you're working in a suit, a, a big knife like the type I'm used to carrying, 
I have work pants or jeans or, or uniform, uh, might bog your pants down and that type of thing. Get something lightweight you put in pocket that you can forget is there. Uh, you can also buy a small leather slip and put it in there and drop it in your pocket so it doesn't scratch other things, uh, something like that. Yeah, you know, I think a Swiss Army knife's good. I like the small Leatherman tools. I think those are good. I've got a couple of those around the house. And if you're a man who works with his hands, then you you probably need something a little bit more robust, right? No, I agree. I agree. So, yeah, something about that size there. Um, just so you can immediately get to it, keep it on you. You know, it's like a gun in combat. You know, what's the best gun to have in a fight? The one that's on you, right? Yeah, and the one that's on you. That's it. What's the best knife? What's the best knife to have? The one, one, the one that's, that's on you that you have all the time that you can count on and trust. Right? Yeah. Amen. 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 So I'd say every man ought to go out there and buy himself a, a multi-tool slash Swiss Army knife. Every man mm -hmm. ought to have a basic pocket knife of maybe a slightly beefier one for tasks. And probably yeah. every man should have some sort of fixed blade knife as well for availability to do, you know, weightier, meatier tasks. Yeah, keep one on your boat, keep one on your car, you know. Yeah. Imagine you come to the scene of an accident, there's some kids in there, the car's on fire, that's it, you know. There's children in the back and you can't get them out because you don't have a knife. You can't cut the seatbelt, you can't get them out. They're hung up by clothing. One of your coworkers is hung up on a piece of equipment. If you had a knife, you could have got him loose. You know, you don't ever have to take it out of your pocket. You know, and everybody talks about those type of things, but man, sometimes it's nice just to be able to clean your nails. Sometimes it's nice to scrape that tape off your, you know, your file cabinet that's been there for two years. Um, you know, opening envelopes. There's a lot of things you can do with knives other than stabbing something or chopping something. And, and I think a lot of people depending on what community you grow up in, where you're from, are indoctrinated in the fact that knives are evil, bad, and they're only made for hurting people. And that's just not the case. I the can count on my hands the amount of people I've talked, well, yeah, on hands. Now, understand, I'm at Fort Bragg, and you know, as special forces guys, special operators coming here all the time. But I only know of like six or seven incidents where a guy killed a guy with a knife. And they were all at breach points and all in combat. You know, Amen. Unfortunately, in Toronto, lately, there have been um, some publicized stories of somebody killing somebody with a knife. We They didn't used to talk about it, but lately they've been talking about it. And it's, uh, I don't know if it's any more than it's ever been, but it's certainly in the news more often than it's ever been. But I will tell you this, most knives, I've got over 110 knives in my collection, including a bunch of yours, Spartan Blade knives. And most of the knives I have are not designed for uh you know tactical or combat use they're just not right and uh, you know we, we're kind of known as a tactical knife company and it's funny people I, I used to go to trade shows when i was younger and people were like well you were green bray right i was like yes sir i was he's like can, can you tell me what you did with your knives when you were green bray and uh you know i would lean in a little bit I'd look around and make sure nobody's listening. And I'd say, well, I cut tape. I cut the margins off my map one time. I even opened a box in an MRE. Nice. And my point to do that is military guys use them for the same thing everybody else does. You know, the same general tasks, opening packages, you know, taking off bindings, 
Um, I walk, you know, I do a lot of gardening, man. I walk around my yard and every time I see, we've got these vines, small vines in North Carolina uh, that just attack trees. They get a hold of it and they start spiraling up. So whenever I see one, I pull that sucker out and I whack it. My wife laughs at me. She's like, you're now I know why you're knife makers. So you can whack all these darn vines in the yard. I'm always <laughs> walking around the yard, whacking, whacking, whacking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of funny. No, it's good, man. It's good. So if, if someone is curious about knives and curious about how to go about selecting some brands, now obviously you, you're a knife maker and you make some really, really cool knives, but just for the purpose of this discussion, let's take the Spartan blades knives out of it. We'll bring it back in at the sure. end and I'll talk sure. about some of the ones I like, but what would be your selection in each of these categories, right? The, the kind of multi-tool type category, the, the basic pocket knife, the beefier pocket knife and the, uh, you know, the, the full tank fixed blade, what would be your selections that you would tell people, Hey, go pick up these knives. Well, sure. Um, <laughs> well, as, as a gentleman's folder, as a single bladed fixed blade, high quality knife that you probably pass down to a family member, I'd strongly recommend Chris Reeve knives out of Idaho. I think they've won the manufacturing quality award uh, almost a dozen times. Um, it's just absolute best quality. They're nice. Frankly, they make fantastic gifts. You know, they range in price, I think, between four and $500, and people may scoff at that. But if you were ever to go to their factory and look at the time, care, and precision they put into making their knives, I mean, you think you're in a watch factory. I mean, really, it, it's amazing. Um, so if you can afford to spend a little bit of extra money, to me, it's not, it's a, it's a super value. I wouldn't think twice about buying a knife from them. I'd go to Chris Reeve Knives, and they have several sizes of pocket knives. They have a very, very small little one. It's beautiful. It's called a Menandi. Yeah. And they'll put, they'll put all kinds of exotic wood inlays into them. You get a cutting tool, and you get a work of art, you get an heirloom quality product that you can pass down to some of your family literally for generations and they're warrantied for life. So for a pocket knife, they're the first name to come to mind. Um, if you're looking for something that's robust, um, if you're an EMT fireman, police officer, something like that, um, you know, there's a lot of companies out there, but one of the ones that comes to mind is Rick Hinderer knives in Ohio. Yep. Um, he makes a good one. He uses great steel. You know, what is a knife? It's an object that has a point, a cutting edge and a way to interface with your hand. Um, and, he, and he does all three of those things uh, very, very well. You, just like the Reeves, he uses great steel. He uses particle metal specifically engineered to hold an edge to be tough and to have torsional strength. So again, you'd be buying something that if you maintain it, take care of it like any tool, it'd last you a lifetime. Um, fixed blade knives, you know, there's, man, there's a lot of people out there. Um, I'd look into some people, local knife makers. There's a lot of great knife makers in the United States that make fixed blade knives. And of course, I think, you know, I think no matter who you are, if you, when you think of a fixed blade knife, if somebody asks you to draw one with a magic marker, you probably draw something similar to a K-Bar knife. Yeah. Um, K-Bar, you know, now I said they're partners of ours, but, you know, they've been making fixed blade knives for 120 years in the United States. So not only do you get a good fixed blade knife, you can use to cut things, um, or, or using the military as a combat utility knife, but you're also buying into some U.S. history right there. 
No, it's so, true. Uh, what what about your favorite multi-tool or Swiss Army type knife? What would you pick? I would well, Victorian Ox uh, is a company I would go to. Um, I know that their owner just won a uh, he just got inducted into Hall of Fame a few years back, which is pretty neat, man. Um, I tell you, a Swiss Army knife if you buy from Victorian Ox, it's a great value. There's a few reasons for that. One how long it lasts and how well it works compared to the price you're going to pay for it is one. And two, they had a lot of government money put into their infrastructure, especially during, you know, you know, during times of conflict as well. So some of the equipment and manufacturing capabilities that they use now, you can't buy them if you want them now. So they will never have any real competition for a Swiss army type knife at the price point. So Victorian Ox would be a good selection. Um, I tell you, if you just want something big and beefy that you want to beat the crap out of that you're never going to have to worry about, but you want a little bit of style and good steel, uh, Greg Medford of Medford Knife and Tools and probably an, another good Yeah, he, his stuff is definitely big and beefy. All right, so now let's turn it around and make the same selections out of the Spartan Blades family. Okay, so, uh, for, so for a small knife, you might use an office or something like that. Um, I got a knife that's coming out in September, but we'll have to do this again. I can't show it to you yet. But it's a small, thin, easy-to-use knife. We have one called the Talos, designed by uh, Bill Harzi out of Creswell, Oregon. Um, it's a small little thing. Let me see if I've got one in here. But this is actually one of the prototypes, but that'll explain what it is. It's an old prototype. But just a, a small, little pocket knife. You can see compared to my hand, I'll be, it's not very big. Yeah. Uh, just right, right around three inches. Um, but it locks open, so it won't collapse on you where you can hurt yourself. It's lightweight enough that you can carry it in your pocket. You'll forget it's there. Um, one of the versions we do is out of a G10 composite. I believe it's one of the lightest knives on the market for its size. So something like that might benefit you well. If you're looking to do something more high-end, we have what we call our Harzi 325. It's an all-titanium pocket knife with a super steel blade. Um that's out there. Of course, that's that's one of our top knives. It does great. Um, for a large fixed blade knife, we have a knife. I mean, it's almost not even a contest. We have a knife called a Defensa. And it's the one I talked about that we made for an element of the Canadian forces, some of your brethren up there. Um, if you're just looking for a camp knife, self-defense knife, all-run good combat utility knife, um, I would recommend a Defensa as one of ours. We make a few small mid-sized knives that make them easier to carry. So if you're camping... Um, you're moving out, out in the woods and on a trail and carrying a lot of equipment and weight becomes a factor. Um, we've got a few small mid-sized knives of that size. And then of course we have our our kind of premier knife that we're known for. It's called the Spartan Harzi Folder. I don't have one here in my office, but uh, it's the one we're well known for. It's a large folder that's almost the size of a fixed blade, all titanium parts, double deep cryoed. I mean, put a lot of technology into it. So it's another heirloom knife. Um, and we uh, we do a lot of custom work on those. We uh, actually won the Manufacturing Quality Award with that submitted as one of our samples. So I'll tell you, I have a Defensa, um, and um, you promised me you're going to let me get one of the Harzies when it comes out. I'm going to hold you to that. Thank doctor. So, That's right. Because that, those, those puppies sell out so darn fast. It's crazy. It's on the site, and 15 minutes later, they're all gone. I'm like, yeah, it, it, what is listen, this? It drives, it drives me crazy, too. 
we're making eyes as fast as we can. We hired more people. We built more equipment. But the, the demand, I think we have a 14-month backlog now for dealers. You know, and we put a priority on dealers. We'll send knives to dealers. And, you know, for a year and a half, we didn't have any folding knives on our own website because we tried to take care of those guys. But and we've been accused of creating an artificial um, shortage on our knives. And, man, I wish we were in a place we could do that. But, uh, yeah, the knives, they're pretty popular. They sell pretty quick. We, we put them up. They sell out. Or we do a special edition for a dealer. He'll put up 100 of them. They're gone in six minutes. People are calling him. He's getting upset because he can't get more. Um, I'm upset because I, I wish I could have made more. All good, all good problems that I have, right? Well, yeah. You, you we don't. We never complain. We just whine a little bit, right? Yeah. So. Like I said, I uh, I might end up becoming just just as a side business one of your dealers, just so I can feed my own knife habit, man. I think uh, we'll talk about that offline. But I'll right. teach something. Um. So there's two other types of knives I'd like to talk about before we wrap up. So do you guys have anything that's comparable to a Swiss Army type knife for a multi-tool? Or have you considered doing something like that? Or is that like okay. out, of your, out of your lane? Um, no, we don't. We don't have a Swiss Army multi-bladed knife yet. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's yeah. something that might happen. Um, a we're very aware that we don't have that knife and probably need more. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, I've got some Swiss army knives. I've got a, I've got a buck ton of Leatherman's, you know, that they're awesome. I love Tim Leatherman's been on my business show a couple of times. Oh, he's great. He's a great man. He is totally a great man, but you, you, you know, I have, I like my Swiss army knife. I've seen a bunch of multi-tools. I'm sorry. None of them compare to the Leatherman. Sorry. There, there's a couple of uh, Leatherman models, the Wave and the P4, that are just unreal, phenomenal tools. And for what you get, the price you pay is 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 nothing. Like honestly, I I think they could be charging twice as much, and it would still be worth it. But think you look at that Swiss Army knife. You know, it's a cute little knife. It's got some little blades in there. It looks super simple. There's no yeah. locking mechanisms. There's no springs. I tell you what. If you don't have fine blanking equipment, you better know what you're doing because they are not easy to make. They are not easy to make. No, no, of course not. Look at look at all the moving parts they have. That that makes sense to me. Uh, I, I'd be scared of just making a fixed blade. <laughs> I mean, that's complicated <laughs> enough. Never mind <laughs> a knife with eight different or twelve different moving parts. It's crazy. Um. So, and the final type of knife I'd like to have you weigh in on before we wrap up is kitchen knives uh benchmade came out with their kitchen knife set and now they're only selling it off their website no dealers only in the u.s so i can't buy that those and i i love the kitchen knives and i just thought wow these are cool i got their meat crafter which is good for cutting meat that is a fantastic kitchen knife type blade are you guys doing kitchen knives is that something on your radar and what are some kitchen knives outside of your own thought, uh, Bailiwick, that you think are worth buying right now in the marketplace for people? Oh, wow. Man, um, yes, we, we are looking at kitchen knives. I just recently made some trips to Germany and Italy looking for some help. Um, kitchen knives are a strange animal. You know, one, you tend to get put into niches. And we're kind of in a combat knife outdoor niche. I, mean, I know some ABS master smiths that make thirty and forty thousand dollar high end buoys. They try to make a kitchen knife; they can't sell it for two hundred bucks. Um, so 
you've got to be very aware of where placement, what you can do with those things. Um, we're fortunate. Our parent company is K-Bar. Um, their parent company is Cutco, the largest manufacturer of cutlery in North America. Yep. And they are slammed with kitchen cutlery. I mean, they are slammed. Um, you know, I, I can tell you, we are working on a set of kitchen knives now. It's in the design phase. I think I found a manufacturer for them. Um, kitchen knives are tricky. You know, people think, well, I've got to make the new next great, cool-looking kitchen knife. And that's great if you're selling to somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. But if you were to take a picture of all the quality kitchen knives or the ones that sell well throughout the world and overlay them over each other, maybe put them in Adobe Photoshop and adjust the opacity as you go back, you'll see that that cutting edge is about the same on all of them. And for good reason. One, human hand works one way. Most schools teach their students how to use kitchen cutlery in very certain ways. So, you know, we want to make something that's going to stand out when people see it, they know it, but it still has the complete, all those standard basic tasks that every chef is going to do. Um, we are working with a friend of ours who's a world-class designer, um, in my opinion. Um, not well known, but man, is he good with, with cutlery. And uh, and we're talking to manufacturers now to partner with. And uh, it's my our intent for Pineland Cutlery, our parent company. I think that's how we would do the kitchen knives. Um, I don't think anybody's going to practice any combat, you know, when they're cutting sausage. No. So it'd probably be Pineland Cutlery. But we're looking at uh, a possibly three to five knife set of kitchen cutlery. Um, I think we're about two years out on it. Have you have you seen the Benchmade uh, kitchen knives? I have, yeah, I've had, yeah, cool. What What are your thoughts on those guys? Um, I haven't used them, so so I don't know. I think they look okay. I believe the ones I saw, I think they were flat stock with handles, if I remember correctly. I I don't think they're forged. Um, what I'm looking to do is forged um, high carbon stainless. That's what chefs want. I've talked to a lot of chefs. Um, Phil Cookston, our uh, European. Um, uh, vice president in charge of European sales was a, a master chef. He's part of the, uh, the, uh, the, the British cooking Corps. I guess the army Navy Marines used to all have their own cooks. They came together as one service as a core. Nice. Um, so he talks to chefs on a daily basis. So we're still in, in the, the late incipient phase of starting the kitchen cutlery, but man, we're doing a lot of research and I'm learning a lot. And I think when we come up with something, we won't do it. It's something we can be proud of, you know, so um, right so now, what me, would you recommend people buy? Which brand uh, are you? Uh, I like Hankel's and stuff. Um, okay. Just, they, they just make good German knives. They make them the old way. They're forged, high-carbon stainless. Um, I actually, when I was looking at the kitchen knives, I was looking at the type of steels they use. I actually went to visit uh, Buderis Steel Factory in Germany. That provides steel to a lot of those companies just to see how it's made and how it works. So, uh, you know, it's great to have great design, but you want to look at materials, how they're made, what makes one steel better than the other, why some steels have impurities in them and others don't. And a lot of that comes down to how they're placed in the crucible, how, um, you know, materials are used to remove some of the impurities and things like that. So that's kind of the thing. That's where we're at now in kitchen cutlery. Probably won't see it for two years, but uh, I think we're going to do something special. Well, I'm excited for some of the new stuff you got coming out uh, for myself. I'd like to pick it up for the personal collection, but I think it's important for men to be familiar with the various types of knives and be able to use them uh, in their day-to-day -day knives. 
uh, lives, excuse me, their day to day knives. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was good. So, um, <laughs> you know, Henkels, huh? All right, that's yeah. a, that's a name. That's a that's a name I know. You know, I'll go check out some of their stuff. Uh, I had well, uh, they're, affordable. they're affordable for what they are. I think they there's they retail for like 140 bucks for a good chef knife. When I chef knives, yeah, that's not bad. Um, so I uh, had um, uh, Greg Lightfoot, who's a custom knife maker out in Alberta. He made he's made a few knives for me. He made me a kitchen knife. He calls it Tacta Chef, and <laughs> it's uh. It, it's it's a nice kitchen knife you know it, it, it's it's ground on one side on the other side it's kind of flat so it's a little chisel ground it cuts really well i like it but you know it's it's just it's just the one knife i i'd like to go take a look at getting myself a complete set of kitchen knives because at the moment i don't have that and uh, i bought myself some poultry shears as well those have been useful they've gotten a little bit of use and I wanted to come and ask you what your thoughts were on on the, the subject. And I'm glad to see that uh, you're looking into making some. Keep me posted. Keep us all posted. And oh, sure, sure. I tell you, if you're looking, if you got a good pair of cooking shears, take care of them, hang on to them because that's becoming lost art really, really fast. I mean, you look at all the the scissor makers in Italy and Germany, and man, they're disappearing like like COVID. Really? Oh yeah. It's getting so, harder and harder to find quality scissors. Cutco makes probably some of the best scissors I've ever used. And, uh, well, and we, should, we should talk offline. I'd like to get some. You know, I'm I'm kind of half joking about becoming a dealer, but half not. At some point, I'd like to do it. And I know Cutco has independent reps, and that could be a neat thing to become an independent rep just to buy some of my own knives. But uh, for, for me. Shears are important. I mean, I got a pair of uh, shears that I bought off of Amazon, and they seem to do the job. But if I can get something super great, what would be your recommendation? Buy a Cutco set of shears? Uh, well, they, they have scissors. That, well, you should have two sets. One for you to use when you want to cut something difficult, and one for your wife to ruin in the kitchen doing crazy shit with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> The same, um, the same type of shears, or right? Shears? Yeah, those, those Cutco scissors—they're forged. I think the well, they are forged by a company called Schilling Forge in New York. And you know, it's the one thing Cutco. Man, they're just really, really good at making scissors. I mean, you cut pennies in half with them, thick leather. I cut chicken legs off with them. I mean, they're fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so Cutco's the way to go. All right, Curtis Ayapito. The man, the myth, the legend, co-founder of the Spartan Blades USA, one of the true iconic American knife companies. Thank you for educating us as men on knives and how to pick a good set of knives for the various tasks that we do. This has been a fun and educational interview. Well, I appreciate it. appreciate you having me, as usual. God bless you, brother. Catch you on the God flip. Bless you. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Man Podcast. If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca.